Faith makes a fool of what makes sense. logic ends when justice called for all my debts the friend of sinners came instead your ways are higher your thoughts are Still my heart, let your voice be all I need.
Still my heart, let your voice be all I hear now. Fix my eyes on the things that I can't see now. Spirit, breathe and let the winds come out your way. so good. He's so good. This morning, as uh, we don't have a drummer, unfortunately, but he's so faithful to show up. And it doesn't take us to get a system together. It doesn't take us to have like our plans together for him to move because he moves despite of our plans. And a lot of times he moves because we don't have plans. I feel like a lot of times our plans get in his way. And so this morning, as we're about to sing our last song, let's just get into him right now. Let's just push for what he's doing to, to sing what's on his heart this morning, to really go after his agenda and not our own.
about us the way that he is and so as we sing this sing it with power sing it with your strength sing it with the confidence of this is who God is because he's good church he's so good in this place and he deserves every word that comes out of us he deserves every breath troubled mind it isn't anxious it's not the restless kind and your love's not passive it's never disengaged it's always present it hangs on every word you say love its promises it keeps its word it honors what's sacred cause its vows are good your love's not broken it's not insecure and your love's not selfish your love is and you don't give your heart 
to be up here with these young men and let us into the presence of God boldly to the throne room of God. It just blesses my heart to see young men that love the Lord. I remember being their age a long time ago. But really, in the times we live in, it's, it's refreshing. And we thank you guys. Thank you guys. God bless you. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Uh, well, welcome to the light this morning. We're glad you're here. If you're visiting with us, we're especially glad you're here. You're our special guest, and we just we just um, pray God showers His blessings on you, and um, that you really sense His presence, and that you have sensed His presence here. It's a blessing to be here. Amen. Uh, hopefully, you uh, received the bulletin today. It has lots of uh, upcoming events. There's always something new to check out in our bulletin, so hopefully, you have one of those to take with you. To, uh, to see what's going on throughout the week. I know that our youth had a special event Friday. I know that was a blessing. Um, so we're just glad you're here. Before we uh, take time out to bring our tithes and offerings to the Lord, uh, I want to share just something with you. I found a saying the other day that uh, blessed my heart, and uh, I could see how the Lord has used it to apply in my life. And I want to read it to you here. It says, My life helps paint my neighbor's picture, my neighbor's picture of God. My life helps paint my neighbor's picture of God. And uh, I've been thinking about that and how God loves to use us when we're, when we're willing. When we allow Him to use us, we can show Jesus to the world. We can show the love of God 
to those that are in our life, when we allow him to use us. And sometimes we don't even know that he's doing that. And for instance, I want to give you an example. And that's you guys. Um, I've been able to see a picture of God when I come to the light. And how is that? Well, when I look at you, I see God's love. I see joy instead of mourning, because I've been through a time of mourning. I see beauty instead of ashes. And I see trees, oak trees, that God has planted here. And that comes from Isaiah chapter 61. Beauty for ashes, joy for mourning, and praise for heaviness. And when I come into the light and see God's love over everyone in here, it has changed my heart. It's helped me to heal. And I thank God for that. And I thank God for you guys, for all that you've done. And that's how God uses us. You know, on our, our bulletin it says that, that uh, one of the things we do is we're going to the lost and hurting. And the verse is Luke chapter 10, verse 30 through 37. And that's what we do here at the light. And it's a blessing to be used by God that way. Whenever we let God work through us, we could show his character, his characteristics. And a couple of his characteristics is that God is a giver and that God gives us his joy. And that leads us to what we're going to do right now. We want to be cheerful givers, just like God is a cheerful giver. God is the most extravagant giver there is. He gave his son, Jesus, for us. Amen. Praise God. And Jesus gave his life for us. And now we have an opportunity to be like God and give. And it's a blessing. It's a great opportunity that we have to be able to do that. So, gentlemen, let's worship God with our giving. Thank you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord God, that all good things come from you, that you shower us with gifts, Lord God, that we would have nothing if it wasn't for you, Lord God. And like we said, Lord God, we thank you for this opportunity to be like you, to be a giver, an extravagant giver, Lord God. We ask that you bless these tithes and offerings, Lord God, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Good morning and welcome to The Light. Here's what's coming up this week at The Light. Mexico Missions had a very successful Mother's Day weekend. A big gracias to all of you who provided gift bags for the mothers. Every mother who attended went home with a goodie bag. We are now starting to plan for the next school year. If you are already sponsoring a student, we hope you will continue. Pat will have new students to sponsor after church in the foyer. This year we have 105 students who need a sponsor. Please see Pat for more information. Help send a youth or leader to summer camp. If you're interested in this, please contact Jason at 505-795-0088. We are now starting our worship team auditions. If you sing or play an instrument and you are interested in this offer, please contact Jordan after the service. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel where we post weekly videos of the sermons and worship sessions. Further details may be found in your bulletin. Please enjoy the rest of your service. Oh, Jesus.
played a trick on me and turned the mic off. Amen. Good morning. You all happy to be in the presence of the Lord this morning? Amen. We may have been missing a drummer, but we were not missing the Spirit of God this morning. Amen. This morning we're in the absence of our pastor. He is not here this morning. As you can tell, I am not the pastor. Um, our pastor is uh, slightly older than I am, and he's missing in action this morning. Actually, he's in Houston. He had a couple of things he needed to do, so he, he'll be out this morning, but he will be back next week. Um, will you all help us this morning? If you look around, as I look around, there's a lot of empty seats this morning. And there may be somebody that normally sits next to you, and you may know who they are. This morning, if you will take the time after service and just make a call. Make a call to whoever's missing this morning and let them know we missed them this morning. I know there's a lot going on. There's a lot of, with summer coming up, there's a lot of vacations and all these different events planned. But we want, we want you to know, not only to our visitors, we appreciate you coming in. We love you. I hope that, that, that you make yourself at home. But if you're a part of this church, we want you to know that we love you. We care about you. And it's hard for our leaders to know exactly who's out. We don't sit next to everyone. Um, I, I try to catch as many people as I can, but if you will take a moment and just look around and see who's missing this morning and make a note of it and give them a call right after service and let them know that we missed their presence this morning, that they missed an awesome word of God. But if it does not come from God and if it comes from me, then, then I'll probably fail what God wants to do this morning. Praise God. This morning I'm reminded of a story that I heard of a mother who was instructing her children as they entered the sanctuary she was instructing her children how important it was to be quiet, that when they came into the service, they needed to be quiet. They could not disrupt the service. And the mother looks at her oldest child, who was about 10 years old, and says, now why can't we, why must you be quiet in service? And he looks at his mom and says, because other people are sleeping. And I pray this morning that we're not the ones sleeping. I pray that we're awake. Amen. So this morning, I have a word this morning, and I'm excited to be able to bring the Word of God this morning. It is an honor to stand before you. I don't take it lightly. Um, I know that when God, when God calls us to do something, we need to be obedient. When God gives us a gift, we have to use it. And when God gives us a desire, we have to run with it. Amen? All right, so this morning, I've entitled my lesson, A Living Gospel. What does the word gospel mean? The, go the word gospel simply means to bring or announce the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen? To bring or announce the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, if you're taking notes, I think you should take notes of what this, what this as I'm sure somebody else has said it. I know somebody else has said it. But this is something God gave to me. As I begin to put this study together, God gave me these words. What we do speaks louder than what we say. Amen? What we do speaks louder than what we say. Over the past few weeks, few we're on Daniel chapter 8 right now, or 9, chapter 9. We're in Daniel chapter 9. Over the past nine weeks, in men's group, in men's Bible study, we're in the, in the morning at 6 o'clock, we meet at, in, every Wednesday morning at 6 o'clock. We have the privilege of joining together with other men in the fireside room, and our study this, the past nine weeks has been the book of Daniel. And we started this study after we finished, after we concluded the, the Daniel's fast. We just wanted to get deeper into the word and what God was saying. And God began to speak. It's so amazing because you come to a Bible study, and I know I don't know it all, 
But God begins through other men as we begin to input and, and, and we begin to read the word and someone has a, a little nugget they put in. And it's just so amazing how God begins to enlighten you and teach you and, and God even begins to open up doors. And, and, and I walk away from our studies on, 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 on Wednesday morning and sometimes I'm so hungry I want more. I want to understand what I just read. I am not the kind of person that lives in Revelation. Uh, I, I, I don't quite understand the book of Revelation. I don't understand the Daniels, the, the, the dreams that Daniel had. Um, I tend to live in the here and now. Uh, and, and that's who I am. That's, that's, I don't believe that's wrong. If you, if you love Revelation, I don't believe it's wrong that you're reading Revelation and you want to understand it. That's not wrong. The more we can get of God, the better. But for me, I'm more of a here and now person. And and I read the book of Daniel, and as we begin, many years ago, as I begin to, to to hear about Daniel, I begin to hear about the dreams he had, and and he would give, he was having visions of of, of the coming Messiah. He was having visions of of the Antichrist, and he began to say that when there was an abomination of desolation in the temple, that then the Antichrist would be revealed. And it goes on and on and on. And man, I I always thought the book of Daniel is not for me. I am not into the end times. I am not into revelation. I am more a here and now person. But as I begin to study the book of Daniel, I begin to fall in love with this man because um, I aspire to be like him. I see his life. I see his desires. I see what he had done. And I really aspire to be like Daniel. And we're going to go into that in just a, reason, in just a moment. I'm going to tell you why. The title of the Living Gospel, I wanted to reflect two things. In one hand, I want you to understand that to live out the gospel, and I want you to understand that we have to live out the gospel and embody its message in our daily lives. Sometimes we talk so much, but I think people pay more attention to what our lives have to say, what our emotions have to say, than what our words have to say. I love what my wife has told me for years. I don't know if it's a bad thing or a good thing. She always tells me, after I tell her I love you, the next thing I hear is, don't tell me you love me, show me you love me. Amen? And I love that. It, it, it brings so much light, even, even to Christ and to our Lord and Savior Jesus. We need to show him we love him, not just say that we love him. On the other hand, I want to point out that the gospel is just not a fairy tale, but it's a living reality. It's not something that happened back in the book of Acts or back in, in the Old Testament or later in the New Testament. It's something that is a living reality, and it should affect each and every one of us. Um, here in a couple of weeks, I am going to be able to do something that I've dreamt about since I was a teenager. I love the mountains. I'm in love with the mountains. Anytime I can get away to the mountains and just hike and get up into the mountains, I think that's why I love hunting so much because I just love the solitude of being in the mountains and seeing God's creation and actually getting time to just feel God and see God and, and have a communion with God. It, it's like no other. I can pray at home, but I tell you what, if I'm out in the mountains and I just take, a t and I, and I take my time and just kneel before the Lord in his creation, it just makes me feel so much closer to him. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's because I'm at 10,000 feet or, or, or what it is, but I just feel to get, I just have that feeling of being closer to God. And for the longest time, I have dreamt of going to Canada. I mean, since I was a teenager, I dreamt of going to Canada. Well, in a few weeks, my wife and I will be taking a trip to Canada. And I tell you what, in my mind, 
I've been sitting in front of, in, in front of the internet. Uh, uh, you know, I spend a little bit of time in front of the internet, and I'm looking at photos, and I'm looking, trying to find the nice hikes to get to the place where I have the most picturesque view of, of the Canadian Rockies. We're going to be up in Banff National Park and Jasper National Park and Panorama Canada, and I'm just so excited. I can't even wait. I, I can't tell you how excited I am to get over there. But in my mind, sitting behind my desk, sitting behind my computer, I have these aspirations of everything I will see and everything and the mountain peaks that I will be on top of. And I love to be in the valley and see the mountains. And I love to be in the mountains and see the valley. It's just the most amazing thing. I love pictures that, that show the, the mountaintop and show the valley. And that I really, really enjoy that. But the reality is, here's the harsh reality. I have the ability to get to these places. My legs are still strong. I still have the endurance. I can walk for miles. But the reality is that once I get to a certain point and I see the valleys and I see the cliff edges and I see everything beneath me, there is a fear that comes upon me that is so strong, my legs begin to shake and I pull away from the, pistor, I, I pull away from the edge and I just turn around and I have to take a second and sometimes it's a long second to look at the ground because everything I see begins to put fear in my heart. Not because I'm afraid of the mountains, but because I'm afraid of heights. And I put limit, I, I've always put limitations on what I can do. When I go to the mountains, you can ask my wife or anybody that's gone with me. Once I get close to the edge, I, I, I love, my brother and I have had the opportunity to go hunt Persian ibex. Believe it or not, here in New Mexico, down south in the Florida mountains, there's Persian ibex. They were a gift to New Mexico many, many years ago, and now they offer a hunt. And we've had the opportunity to go out there. And if anything, um, I've applied for bow because it's an easier license to get. Doesn't mean I, I understand how hard it is to kill these animals. And, and, and to me, the true beauty of being out there is just being able to see them in their natural environment, just being able to see them up on the sheer cliffs and to see how they just easily, without any effort, go straight up a cliffside or straight down the cliffside and how they hang they almost seem like they're just hanging out there with nothing underneath them. It just seems like they're just there. And I see them from the bottom, and I'm all, wow, that is such an awesome sight. And then we make the trek up to the top. Now, in order for me to see these animals, I can't just see them across. I actually have to look over the cliff and look down at them, and that's where I stop seeing them. I have never been able to go to the, I mean, we walked up to the top one time, uh, several times. Jim Peak, I don't know if you ever heard of Jim Peak, looking straight down, I mean, looking up at them, we could see tons of ibex just right on the cliff. Our, I, our plan was to get up on top, look down, and maybe get a shot at one of these amazing animals. Well, I couldn't even make it to the edge because once I saw, the, once I saw how high we were, I told my brother, well, you go look at them and see, tell me if they're there. <laughs> he told me, I ain't going over there. <laughs> So, sometimes we have these great aspirations, but we have limitations. We put limits upon ourselves of what we can and can't do. We don't really get to truly enjoy what God has for us because of the limits that we've allowed to come into our lives. This morning, I'm going to go ahead and start in Daniel chapter 6. And we're going to speak, be speaking about Daniel and the lion's den, and I know this is a this is a story that you've probably heard in Sunday school. It's probably a story that's been rehearsed over and over and over. And you can probably tell me more about Daniel and the lion's den than I can tell you. 
but I'm going to point out some specific scriptures that have come alive to me within the past few weeks. We have to understand that when Daniel was taken captive, he was a teenager. Uh, when King Nebuchadnezzar went in, uh, he took captive the best of the best. They were the brightest, the smartest. They were good looking. And he would go in and his, his testimony was that he would go in to take it to conquer a, a people and take their brightest and smartest and begin to convert them into the Babylonian way of thinking because he knew that the youth were the future. He knew that if he could get them, everyone else would submit as they began to get older and older and they would lead their people. So he had this idea that he was going to take the youth. And Daniel, uh, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego were four of these individuals. In Daniel chapter 1, we find out that Daniel had set himself apart. He set himself aside. He wasn't giving himself to the things of, of the king. He would abstain from the wine. He would abstain from the meat. And many think that, you know, that's, a, that's in comparison to us abstaining from the things of the world. We need to abstain from the things that will take us away from God, things that, that give glory to the world and, and, and take glory away from God. And Daniel didn't do that. Daniel said, you know what, let me take the vegetables. Let me take the fruits and see if not, if, if in, see that if, in 10 days, I'm not just as healthy as everyone else. And lo and behold, 10 days later came, Daniel looked better, stronger, more fit than those that had been eating the king's meal. So they, they, they bowed down to that. We find in Daniel chapter, chapter 3, we find the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that they get thrown into the fiery furnace. We find in, and now we come to the part in Daniel chapter 4, we, we, we find out that Nebuchadnezzar lost his place as king. He was replaced by Belshazzar. In chapter 5, we find that he was replaced. And then in chapter 6, we find that now there's a new king. And going into this, we have to understand that Daniel is no longer a teenager. Many scholars believe that as Daniel took over and, and, and he was under the reign of, Dar of, of King Darius, that he was 80 years old, between 80 and 85 years old. Now that's a big gap between being a teenager to this point in the story. And we have to understand that from the moment that Daniel was taken into captivity, all he's ever known is captivity. He hasn't been a free man. He doesn't know what it's like to live in Israel. He only knows what it's like to be under the Babylonian Empire. So here we start our story in Daniel chapter 6, verse 1. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom. So what King Darius did is he went in, he saw how big the kingdom of Babylon was, and he began to divide it into 120 sections. And over every section, he put a satrap. The satraps were, over, were given charge over the section, so we can have a better picture of what that looks like. And over them, three high officials of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give account, so that the king may suffer no loss. Verse 3, then Daniel became distinguished above all others. Then Daniel became distinguished above all other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Now, I want to point this out. Daniel is not a Babylonian. He is of Jewish descent. He's one of the captives. 
He did not grow up as an elite member of the Babylonian Empire. He did not grow up with riches and wealth in the Babylonian Empire. He was brought in as a slave. He was brought in through captivity. And yet, the Word of God says that Daniel was to be set, to be appointed over these 120 satraps. But I, I want to say this real quick. I, I, God began to give me questions. How did this happen? As I begin to read this, how did this happen? I go back and look at the, look at the previous chapters of, of Daniel, and I begin to realize that he can interpret dreams. And he had gone up to a certain position because Daniel was able to interpret dreams. He, King Nebuchadnezzar had a very troubling dream. And Daniel was able not only to reveal the dream because it wasn't given to him. Daniel was not only able to reveal the dream, but Daniel, Daniel explained the dream to him. And here we find, I want to say that here we find that in, in chapter 3, I, I, I want to point this out. I'm going to read this again. It's really important. I want you to catch this. Then, da then Daniel became distinguished above all other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. An excellent spirit will cause you to be distinguished in a crowd. Not everyone you know has an excellent spirit. Many of us are happy with a standard spirit, being part of the crowd. But see, what made Daniel better than everyone else, the thing that got him appointed over all the satraps, was not that he could interpret dreams because that was his gift. What got him appointed over all these other officials, was that he had an excellent spirit. An excellent spirit will cause you to rise above the crowd and be noticed. An excellent spirit will cause you to be successful in a hostile environment. An excellent spirit will open doors for you that no degree can open or no amount of money can open. An excellent spirit will allow you to find favor with those who make decisions. You two are brought to mind right now. An excellent spirit will make you indispensable to an organization or a workplace. You know when layoffs come and they start picking who's going to be laid off? When you've got an excellent spirit in your life, that excellent spirit can cause you to be passed over. Amen? We awake out there? Okay. An excellent spirit will create opportunities for you that normal people do not have. An excellent spirit is what God requires from us in order to, ma to maximize the gifts that he has given us. You want to be effective in what you do, in what God has called you to do, you've got to have an excellent spirit. Brag alert. This past week, two weeks ago, 
my wife was honored with being a teacher who inspires. And it wasn't, I don't want to bring too much glory to that because it's all God. Understand, I, I look at her and, I, and, and this year she got the Teacher Who Inspires Award. But since I, known, since I have known my wife, I honest believe, honestly believe in my heart because I know her and I see her and I see the love she has for her children. She deserved that award every single year. It's not something that she did extra special this year. I say that to point this out. When you have an excellent spirit, it's not something that happens occasionally. It's not something that happens temporally. It is something that it walks with you and lives within you every single day of your life. What is an excellent spirit? I'm going I'm to get a little bit into that, what I think it is. Now, you may all have a little different uh, definition, but here's what I think it is. An excellent spirit is when you expect more from yourself than what is required of you. An excellent spirit is when you bring 100% of yourself into everything that you do. An excellent spirit is when you set a high standard to anything that has your name on it. If you're going to associate your name with a certain job, with a certain task, a certain responsibility, when you have an excellent spirit, you will be the first one there, the last one gone. You will give it 110%. You won't falter and say, oh, it's okay. My father-in-law has this great saying. You can't see it from my house. We're out there building and something's crooked or something's not right. He always tells me, well, you can't see it from my house. Well, I can see it from my house, and it's really bothering me, and I'm going to take the whole thing apart because if I'm going to put my name on it, I'm going to make sure that it looks, not that it looks, that it is done to the best of my ability, that when I walk away from a project, it may not be perfect. God doesn't require us to be perfect, but he requires us to give the best of our ability, to give the best effort we have towards whatever we're doing. Amen? An excellent spirit raises a standard not just to accomplish a task, but to serve God in the task by giving him our all. If some of us would just realize that when we go to our, to our place of employment, that we're not working for so-and-so, we are working for a most high God to give him glory and honor, we would, may look at our job a little differently and not try to get away with the simple things and the easy things and just... I know people, and sometimes that may be me, that get away with doing as little as possible. But when you have an excellent spirit, that's not satisfying. When you have an excellent spirit, you want to do the best that you can, not for your employer, but for your God. To give him honor, glory, and praise. Because what we do says more than what we say. And sometimes, whether we know it or not, our coworkers are watching us, our friends are watching us, and our family are watching us. And what we do speaks volumes of who God is if you're doing it in an excellent spirit. Amen? I want to ask, ask you this question. Do others see 
an excellent spirit in you. If we were to go around and interview your friends and interview your coworkers and interview your children, would they say that you had an excellent spirit? Would, they, would their aspirations of you be that, wow, they, they just go above and beyond. I have never met anyone like that. They are amazing. Their love of God shows in everything that they do. You see, as God began to give me this message, I began to say, hey, is that me? I'm not doing this to point. I'm doing this to examine my life. And I pray this morning that you examine your life. Do you have an excellent spirit? Verse 4 says, Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. These men said, We shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Now I love this. This is not about Daniel in the lion's den. This is about Daniel like you and I. Here we come, just like anyone that ever gets elevated. If you ever get elevated or you ever get promoted, we live in a generation, we live, we live among a people that don't like to see you prosper. When someone begins to prosper, people begin to complain. I'm going to give a, a, a quick testimony of what, what happened at the city just a, a while back. It, it was in the papers. Um, it, it, it's public news. I work for the city. Um, but in, in, in the city, because of the new program that's coming on, it's called an ERP program. They're trying to computerize and centralize and make everything easier for everyone else. They begin to give raises to certain individuals. And these certain individuals got raises because of the jobs and the responsibilities that they had. But the second that so many city employees found out and the public found out and all these other people found out, I felt so bad for the people that had gotten raises because they were singled out, they were brought down, they were ridiculed, they were pointed at. And I'll tell you what, I, have, I put no blame on them. How many of us, if someone was to come to you and tell you, here, I'm giving you a 10% raise, would question why you're getting I'm going to tell you, well, I'm going to sign. Tell me where I sign. I'll sign that right now. You don't, need to, you don't even need to tell me why I'm getting it. I'll sign right now. I mean, we're, we're like that, right? If you were to get a 10% raise right now, are you going to question why you're getting it? Or are you just going to say, tell me where to sign. I'm ready. Give me that pen. And, and, and that's basically what had happened. And yet, so many city employees got upset because they were pointing fingers and, Oh, they did, they're being, they're the favorites, they're this and that. And when God elevates you, we tend, people begin, tend to get jealous. And that's exactly what had happened here. I can imagine the conversations that were going, about, going on about Daniel. Hey, how can Daniel get elevated? He's not even a Babylonian. He's not even a Babylonian. And, and the conversation's going on. He's not worthy. He's a slave. How, he's, he's a He's, he's a, I don't know, going on and on and on and on, an infidel and all these other things they could probably think of, and he's not worthy. And they begin to try to find a way to bring him down. But isn't it amazing when the world comes against you and they have nothing to point at you but your love for God? 
I want to be like Daniel. I know I have faults, and I know I sin, and I know I've done things that I'm not proud of, but I want to be at a point in my life that people can say and look and find no fault because everything I do, I've done in an excellent spirit, and I've glorified and magnified my God through all that I've done, and all they can point at me and say is, he's a follower of Jesus Christ. Well, if that makes me bad... And sometimes we think that's bad, but if that makes me bad, guilty is charged. Amen? Don't you guys want to be there? Guilty is charged. And here's Daniel. The only thing they can find wrong with him was that he loved God. They, could, they went in and they began to look at his life and pick it apart. They went to his friends and began to say, hey, what do you know about Daniel? And nobody could find anything except the one thing that they could find is if we're going to, have to, if we're going to bring him down, we're going to have to bring him down because of the love he has for his God. Amen? I often think, as I begin to read this and God begin to give me revelation, I start asking myself, could I be accused of being so faithful to God? If people were looking for dirt on you and I, what would they find? Would they find out that we've been living in sin and we have not been the examples that, the, that Christ has called us to be? I understand we fail. I understand we fail. I'm a failure. I'm a failure. But I know that I serve a living God. And I can do the best that I can to love Him and give Him. And I want to have that excellent spirit that when, I, when, when something is assigned me, whether at church, at work, or at home, that I'm going to do the best I can to bring God the glory and honor that He deserves. When, I need to, when I'm told that I need to be at church at 1015, which nobody has told me that, when I'm told that I need to be here at 10.15, I want to show up at 10 o'clock because I love God and I want to make sure that I am bringing Him glory and honor. When someone tells me that I need to call someone and, and make connection with them, I don't just want to call them, I want to meet with them. I want to spend time with them. I want to pour into them. How is God using you? How is God speaking to you? Amen? All right. Verse 6. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O Darius, live forever. And all, all of the high officials of the kingdom, the, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors, are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whosoever makes a petition to any god or man for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. You have to understand that when the enemy is working in your life, when God is working in your life, the enemy is working to destroy you. That's just a fact. Verse 10, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows. In his upper chamber, opened toward Jerusalem, he got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before God as he had done previously. I want to point out that Daniel did not complain. Daniel did not cry. 
Daniel didn't try to make every excuse why the world was falling down around him. The Bible says that he knew these things were coming. He was not in distress. Daniel did not, I want to point this out. Daniel did not go into prayer because of his current situation. Daniel was a man of prayer every single day, three times a day, for who knows how many years. See, they knew, the satraps and the governors knew, Daniel prayed three times a day. They knew his window was open. And if that was the only way they were going to get him, what they did is they made this decree. They came before the king, they made a decree, and the little sly devils stood right outside his window waiting to catch him in his time of prayer because they knew that was the only downfall in their eyes that Daniel had was that he would not listen to the decree that the king had given because his heart was not given to a king. His heart was given to the king. And he was going to get in prayer no matter what the decree was to give honor and glory and get communion and get closer to God. Do we find ourselves in that place in our lives where we can say that we're in tune with God, we're in communion with God every single day, not because of a situation, not because we need something, not because we have a need, not because there's sickness, but because we have a genuine love for God. You know, I'm amazed how fast our health can be taken from us. Right now where you're at, will you just give God a thanks? You're, you're, you're sitting in a place you're breathing, you're standing, you were able to get out of your bed this morning, you were able to come to this church, you're able to walk, you're able to drive, you're able to be here. I don't know how you got here, but God made a way for you to get here. This past week, my son, we were, Mother's Day, we were, we're, we're sitting outside, we're spending some time, and we look at my son's knee, and, and, and my son had drawn a circle around his knee, he had a pimple on his knee, and he drew a circle around it, and it wasn't just a regular pimple. His knee had swelled up. It was pretty big. Uh, I had watched him that morning. He told me it was an ingrown hair, and he popped it, and I can't even want to think of what, everything that came out of it. And I'm watching him, and I'm all, son, that's not an ingrown hair. I've had an ingrown hair, and that is not an ingrown hair. Well, my son being stubborn, he didn't want to listen. He just went and did his thing. Well, he ended up going to the uh, urgent care, and they confirmed what he had already believed. He had an ingrown hair. But we're sitting together at Mother's Day for lunch, and we're looking at his knee, and every single one of us is looking at him and telling him, Lucas, that is not normal. I mean, you would touch his, you would see his knee, and what he drew, all of a sudden, it's red way around what he drew. It's swollen. I mean, it's just huge. His, his, his whole leg from, his whole leg down is red and swollen. You could feel his leg, and there was so much heat coming out of it, and we're just all telling him. You need, you need to go get that checked. You need to go get it. Finally, he, I mean, he got so mad, he just jumped in his car and drove off to the emergency room. And we hadn't heard from him for several, for several hours. So we actually drove over there to see how he was doing. Well, it ended up that he had a bad, that he had, um, they called it septic bursitis, bursitis. And it was some kind of infection that he had. And it was so bad that he was going to have to get surgery and they were going to have to cut it and drain all the fluids that were coming in. Well, he had the surgery, and 
uh, a few hours after having the surgery, they did blood tests, and the next thing we found out is this simple surgery that was supposed to take just a few, it only took 20 minutes, this simple surgery turned into something very serious. He developed MRSA, which is a bad form, it's a bad staph infection. Um, I was reading on it. It, 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 if not treated immediately and not treated correctly, it could lead to death, and that to me, is death is a huge thing. I read that, and I'm, you know, they say a word, and I'm looking it up on my phone. You guys know the way we are. We Google everything. I'm Googling it. I'm like, whoa, that's really bad. And then, and then my sister, who's a pharmacist, who's sitting here with us this morning, tells me he's very contagious. Don't get close to him. And right away, I back off. I'm like, okay, son, I love you. I'm praying for you. <laughs> that's not a lie. That's not a lie. I'm standing outside the door. I'm like, okay, son, <laughs> you know, you need anything, let me know. And, you know, I'm standing right out there. And, and then we find out that later on in the day, and we'd already been sitting by him for a while, that he's very contagious. The doctor's coming. He's very contagious. we got to wear, like, plastic wear, and we've got to put gloves on, and we've got to be careful getting close to him. And I'm thinking, wow, this is pretty serious. Isn't it crazy how fast our lives can change? How fast our situations can change. We could be praising God today. And tomorrow we could be in a place of desperation. You could be living with no worries. You could be financially stable and in a moment be broke. You can be healthy and in a moment be sick. We can't take the things that God has given us for granted. And my eyes were open this week as I began to see him. I said, God, you are so good. You are so good. I take every breath that I, every breath I take, sometimes I take it for granted. Every time I get up out of bed, I take it for granted. Every time I'm able to drive to my place of employment, I take it for granted. We just think that's part of life. We just think that's what's due us. And it's not due us. God is so good. He loves us so much. He gives us the ability. He gives us the desires. He gives us the things that we need. He provides the air that we need, the food that we need, the healing that we need, the joy that we need, the love that we need. God is so good. Amen? I want to challenge you this morning. Is prayer something that we use as a necessity or is it something that we do daily? Where are you with God? And I look at Daniel, and again, um, I've been told many times that I don't read the Old Testament. It's old stuff. It's law. It's this. It's that. But I really believe that there are lessons to be learned from men and women in the Old Testament. Uh, there's so many women that I can see, like Queen Esther. Her, 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 her story gives me so much, so much. Uh, it makes me want to go forward and realize that if I perish, I perish. If I'm serving God, no matter what comes against me, if I perish, I perish, as long as I'm giving him glory, honor, and praise. Amen? Now I'm going to go ahead and skip. Um, I'm going to go ahead and skip because of time here. If the back, if you guys don't mind with me, look, I want you guys to go to verse 21. If you can find verse 21 on the overhead. Uh, so Daniel, they come against Daniel. They throw him into the lion's den. We all know the story. You all know the story. The, the Spirit of the God comes down, shuts their mouths. They, they, they got out of there. Daniel didn't even get harmed, didn't get touched. Lions didn't come and pounce on him and play with him. I mean, he said, they didn't even touch me. And here we go into uh, verse 21. Then Daniel said to the king, 
And this is right after, right after the king has, has called into him and he's calling to Daniel and then he says, Daniel says this, Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. And the king commanded all those men who had, who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions. They, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones into pieces. What your enemies plan for your demise often comes back, and it's their demise when God is on your side, when you have an excellent spirit. Because the enemy cannot touch us when we're living for an almighty God. The enemy cannot touch us when God's hand is over us. The enemy cannot touch us when God's spirit is upon our lives. Amen? He can only do, I really believe this, the enemy can only do what God allows him to do. And my God is a loving God. He loves me. He loves you. The Bible teaches me he has plans to prosper me and not to harm me. God wants to see us prosperous. He wants to see us healthy. God wants to see us blessed. He wants to see us living as he intended us to live. I love, I love, love. Man, my eyes were just blown open when I read the scripture. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in the earth. Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is a living God enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed. And his dominion shall never come to an end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. Daniel wasn't standing at the corner pointing fingers, preaching the word of God. He wasn't pointing out the wrong in everyone else. Daniel wasn't speaking words Daniel was living. He was a living testament to an almighty God. And because of that living testament, a king 
who oversaw all of Babylon, made a decree that everyone should fear this God of Daniel. He made a decree that this was the living God. This was the only God. This was the one true God. Not because of what was spoken, but because of what was lived. In our lives, we also have that opportunity in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our church, to be the living gospel, to be a walking, breathing testament of who Jesus Christ is. We cannot do it without an excellent spirit. I cannot do it on my own ability. I need an almighty God. I need His Spirit because the Word of God teaches me, it teaches us that through Christ all things are possible. Through Christ all things are possible. You can be thrown in the lion's den and through Christ you will be safe. You can be accused and ridiculed but through Christ you will be saved. Daniel had a couple key points in his life. He had a prayer life. He did not neglect God. God wasn't on the shelf waiting to be summoned at Daniel's needs. God was a part of his life. Morning, noon, and evening. God was a part of his life. I love that the Word of God says that he had an excellent spirit because he understood he had to raise the standard in his life. He couldn't be like everyone else. If you want to stand out, you can't be like everyone else. If you want to stand out, you've got to have an excellent spirit. You've got to be willing to go the extra mile. I think of Steve and Sophia right now, and this is a prophetic word, that as God uses you and you have that excellent spirit within the ministry that God is taking, to, taking you to, you will not merely, merely be the directors of a ministry. You will be the standard of a ministry. Amen? They will be the standard of a ministry. I serve an almighty God. And I know I'm not perfect, and I know you're not perfect, and God's not looking for us to be perfect. But God is looking for us to have a relationship with Him, to have an excellent spirit about all that we do. When you're leading, to someone, when you're leading someone to Christ, it's not just leading someone to Christ. Do it in an excellent spirit. Don't just tell them about Christ. Teach them who Christ is. Take the time to disciple them and train them in the ways of God. So many ministers are so quick to make a, an altar call and say, oh, you know, we had seven salvations today and never speak to those people again. But it takes a real man or woman of God to make the follow-up call and say, hey, 
listen, I know you were at that altar today. I know that you gave your life to God. How can I help you get closer to him? Is there anything that you need to learn, anything you need to know? I want to share what God has given me with you. We have to have that excellent spirit in our lives that we go above and beyond what everyone else is doing. Amen. As we end, as we end, maybe you're like me. This isn't something I learned last night. This is something that, I, that has been a process as we've been studying Daniel and has been speaking to me and speaking to me and speaking to me as pastor began to call the Daniel's fast and we begin to hear all these things about Daniel. This began to speak and speak and speak into me and God made me look in the mirror. Not look at you, but look at myself in the mirror. And the reflection I saw was not that that I wanted because the reflection I saw was fastened around people that were around me by ideas that have been put in me. But when I look at the Word of God and I see the life of Daniel, I see the life of Paul, I see the life of David, I fall short of what God has called me to do. And this morning, maybe you're looking at your life and you realize you're falling short of what God has called you to do. You're not at that place where you have an excellent spirit. We're not going to lay hands on you this morning. I believe God wants to touch you this morning. The Word of God says, be a hearer of the Word, not a doer of the Word. And this morning, I'm going to make an altar call. If you're not where you need to be with God, if you're not living in that excellent spirit, if you're not in that communion with God where he's not on the shelf, but he's a part of your life, if you want to be one of those that rises to the top, I'm going to invite you to come forward. I'm not saying you're doing anything wrong. All I'm saying and all this call is for is that you would come to the front and God would empower you to have an excellent spirit that God would empower you to have a closer relationship with him, that he would give you a new desire and a new mind. If that's you this morning, come to the front. Come to the front. God wants to touch you. God wants to bless you. God wants for you to rise to the top and to raise the standard in your life. This morning, this is about you and him, not about what we say at the front. So take your time. Brothers and sisters, the Lord God is calling the single moms and single fathers in this room right now. I have the deepest compassion towards you right now. You might feel alone in times. Mother's Day was just behind us and there were some single moms who may have felt like, who am I celebrating with? Who is celebrating me? Your children might be young. And this goes to fathers too. This is a time to be here in this altar. The Lord wants to anoint you. This word is for you. He wants to give you that excellent spirit, not a complaining spirit, not one that is sorrowful, not one that is hurtful, that one that is, is focused on disappointments or abandonment or rejection, but one that is a spirit-filled life. Come to the altar, if that is you, and let us pray with you. Amen.
no more speaking. I love the words she shared this morning. This moment is about you and God. Will you raise your hands and surrender to him? Will you speak to him? God wants to anoint you this morning. Hallelujah. Maybe this morning you're feeling something strange in your life. That's God. Maybe this morning you've never heard a word that's brought you to the altar. We want to pray with you. Maybe you don't understand what's going on this morning. There'll be we're going to have our prayer team at the front. If you want someone to pray with you this morning, or maybe you don't know who God is and you don't have a relationship with my Jesus Christ. We want to pray with you this morning. You're not here this morning by accident. God has exhorted us to greatness. I believe this morning God is speaking into our lives to be more more than conquerors this morning if we can have our prayer team remain behind 
And if that's you this morning, you just need a little something extra. You want someone to pray over you, someone to pray with you, someone to agree with you in prayer. Find one of these individuals at the front, and we're going to pray with you. This morning, we're going to close in prayer. And if you feel you need to stay at this altar and continue to worship God and continue to call to God, we're going to stay here until you leave. We're in it with you. We're in it to win it. Amen? Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before your presence. Lord, your word has told us that if we humble ourselves and pray, that you would bring a healing not only upon our lives, but upon our nation, dear God. This morning I pray, Lord, for those that are here, those that have desired, Lord, an excellent spirit, Lord, those that have desired to be more like you, Lord, that want to look more like you, dear God. I just pray over their lives right now, Lord, that you would bless them, Lord, that you would give them desires, Lord, godly desires, Lord, that you need to give some of us a new mind and a new heart, Lord, that we would leave the things of this world, Lord, that we would seek after you, that our treasure would not be in things or people or places or property, but that our hearts and desires would be on you, Lord. I thank you for your word this morning, Lord. I believe, Lord, your anointing is in this place. You have spoken to us. We love you and thank you in this morning, Lord. We give you glory, honor, and praise. We love you this morning, Lord. Without you, Lord, we are nothing, Lord. With you, Lord, all things are possible. And I just pray your anointing to follow us throughout this week, throughout this month, that you would guide and lead us. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. You are all dismissed. Praise God. Have a wonderful week. Like I said, if you're one of those this morning, we invite you to the front. We want to pray with you. God bless you.